0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Just King Podcast. I am one half of Just Joking Podcast, King. And I'm Joe. And we are live today, streaming across multiple platforms. If you're looking for us, you can find us at the Just Joking Podcast on both YouTube and Facebook. Or you can send us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Today's format is going to be a little bit different from our normal live stream, our normal podcast that we have today, as Joe and I wanted to discuss the recent overturning of Roe versus Wade, the uh, landmark Supreme Court 1970s decision uh, in which the court ruled that the Constitution of the United States confers the right to have an abortion. With us today is a special guest, somebody who I have known for a long time. That we wanted to bring her on to get her opinion uh, and to also discuss with us because you know I think different from Joe. Joe thinks different from her, but she also has a little bit of background and close, um, close to the ground knowledge of decisions and cases like this. So, without further ado, let's bring on good friend of the show, good friend of me personally, and just an awesome individual, Brooklyn Mosley.
1: Hey, y'all. How are you guys doing?
0: Good, good. Glad to have
2: you
1: in the show. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Brooklyn. Um, So when I asked you to come on to talk about Roe versus Wade, what did you initially, you know, think as far as how I talk?
1: Yes, <laughs> being,
0: you know, being willing to come on and just kind of have this discussion with us.
1: Yeah, what I would say mean? that I was a little bit apprehensive because I know that me and you go back and forth about a lot of issues. But I think ultimately, I think that it's really important to have these discussions because. Having these discussions is what's gonna help people understand why this issue is a big deal for a lot of folks. And I think that it's always good to discuss topics with folks because I think as we like talk about things, people can kind of get another perspective.
0: All right, awesome. And, and, And let's just jump right into it. What is Roe versus Wade? Can you go a little bit more into it for everybody?
1: So yeah, so Roe v. Wade is a landmark decision that uh, basically gave women the right to privacy. So it's centered around privacy, being able to make decisions privately with one's doctor and oneself. And so it's also uh, kind of like a lot of of case laws based off that precedent. So what basically said before that, women, historically, a lot of states outlawed abortion. Um, And so... Women started to basically fight it because people were doing like you heard the term back alley abortion. It used to be back in the day people would have to go and seek out these services in less than reputable sources, uh, less, less than reputable places. So even I have a great aunt who got a back alley abortion in the 1940s who could not have children after that, and so women were really kind of just like fed up, and so women started going through the process of. Through case law, and so there was a woman uh, who, who's Jane Roe. Jane Roe, who she sought out an abortion in Texas, and she was unable to get that abortion. And so she decided to still go through the process of suing. So she did carry that child to term, and that child was given up for uh, adoption. I believe it was a little girl, um, but she still went through the process because she was like, "This is BS. Like I shouldn't have to have to do that." And so eventually the Roe Law got to the Supreme Court. And a funny thing about, not funny, but an interesting thing about that was at the time the Supreme Court was seven individuals. So the person who actually went to argue the case had to come back and re-argue the case uh, in order to get it done Once they got nine justices on the Supreme Court. And then that became the law of the land. And it actually was a, at the time, uh, when the law, when it became Law of the Land, it actually was a blip on the screen because that was actually the same day that Lyndon B. Johnson died, I believe. Uh, and so a lot of women who are now of childbearing years have only lived in a country where they were able to have full access to privacy in this country, even though we do have states that were making it very difficult, where, you know, for instance, I live in Kansas, in the state to the east of me is Missouri. And so they, the way that they were able to make abortion more difficult was they had one single abortion clinic in the state, and that was based in St. Louis. And so, yeah, so Roe v. Wade was basically gave women the right to privacy and bodily autonomy and to choose when they are willing, when they're ready to um, bring a life into the world.
0: Okay. Hey, Joe, um, how about you, man? What's your knowledge of uh, Roe v. Wade? Um, a lot less than that. Um, Same.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I understood it as the, the federal government's based off of the case, the federal government had the right to say that it was legal to happen, um, mm-hmm. which, which prevented the States from saying it was illegal to happen. And, and that's honestly the breadth of my knowledge of it. Um, because I'm a guy it doesn't really affect me unfortunately and I th- I say unfortunately in that my knowledge of it is limited based on the fact that it doesn't affect me and and
1: it does affect you as a person if you have a yeah, family or you're right, making a decision right. with a spouse or significant other Right. So it doesn't impacts everyone
2: no no but but what i meant was prior to it being overturned it never had i, I never had to concern myself with mm-hmm because i knew that my daughters were safe in that they had access full access to anything that they needed um and my wife the same thing so up until now my limited knowledge was that it was legal federally for my my family to have full access to any those kind of services so i really don't like i'm not like I don't have, like, she is incredibly knowledgeable about this whole thing. And for good reason, obviously. Um, but yeah, my, my, mm, no, not great, but it's getting better.
0: Okay. So you Brooklyn came out and uh, said that the person who was, um, she was known as a legal pseudonym, Jane Rowe. Her name mm-hmm. was Norma McCorvey. Now, I'm going to say some things that might get me canceled, but it is what it is. So Norma McCorvey was married. All right. She had prior to the third kid that she was seeking to have the abortion on. um, This kid, this she became pregnant out of wedlock. All right. There are some people uh, that because of (laughs) uh, her behavior, um, you know, said well, you know, they don't call it Roe versus Wade; they call it Ho versus Wade. Um,
1: I've never heard that before. Never heard that in you my life. Made that, I think you just made that up. <laughs> I feel
2: like I feel like that's a meme that came up just recently because yeah, of,
1: like because
2: <laughs> and 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 society does this a lot, and it's it's whichever side is anti-abortion probably it, is that they'll come up with ways to make the person seem disreputable for no other reason than they feel that that negates their argument. Yep. The the court of the court of public opinion is that if she's a hoe in my opinion, then her entire argument, oh, she's just getting an abortion to get out of responsibility. That's irrelevant. She's legally allowed to, you know what I mean? Yes. And and making her disreputable does nothing because by our standards today, we have people in politics who are I would say equally disreputable. You know what I mean? Like doing whatever the fuck they want, you know, and she was, this was 1970s. You know what I mean? Like is a completely different time. The standard was different. How, how women were perceived in society was awful still. Like it wasn't, you know, as good as it is now. And that's even, that's not even saying that much truthfully. Um, I feel like, there's no reason that should be part of the discussion at all.
0: <laughs> Let me make my stance clear, all right? And, and King is gonna go on record and publicly say, I am for someone making the decision themselves on if they want to terminate a fetus, all right? I, that that clear period. Yeah, I do have some addendums to that, okay? I think it does suck if I am the father of said fetus and I have no say in the lady's decision to terminate the fetus if health wasn't a factor in that decision. All right. Um, So I do want to make my viewpoints on, you know, uh, where I stand as far as the, uh, you know, as far as Roe versus Wade being overturned. And how, you know, I think some of the states have it right and some of the states have it wrong. So, Brooklyn, like being that this is kind of around your realm, your area, what's your take on the state's involvement um, in a decision like this?
1: So I personally think the state shouldn't have any involvement in the decision. I think that this is a decision that should be between a woman or a person who has the capacity to give birth, um, their doctor and their deity. I think that these are very personal decisions. I think that things that people, the what a woman's, uh, what a person's body goes through when they go through pregnancy is not like a baby just slides out and then it's like, I'm back up and at it. And you know, a week later, like these are like life changing, body altering experiences. And I think that no one who wants to go, if anyone doesn't want to go through that, we shouldn't be forcing that on them. So I'm very um, anti-force birth. And so for me, I think that until the state is able to actually provide, like we live in a country that doesn't even have paid parental leave. We don't have maternity leave. We don't have universal child care, And so we really, so if a person does not want to give birth and then we make them give birth, we're really putting them out to the wolves. And so uh, we live in a country that will have a, woman, uh, have a person give birth. And then two weeks later, because we don't have paid maternity leave, they're going back to work i have a friend who's a single who was a single woman who gave birth and she basically worked until the day that she gave birth i have another friend who she just had a baby and she comes from a higher social economic status because she's an attorney and her husband's a software engineer and she got six months off. And that still felt like it wasn't enough for her. Like I had to cheerleader her on and give her like a nice card saying, you're doing a great job. So these are not like just simple things that happen to people. So I really think that these are very personal decisions and they just deserve the privacy and space for someone to make it. So the state has no business giving someone, um, especially the states that have like the most strictest abortion laws have the highest, some of the highest childhood poverty, which we should be uncomfortable with in this country.
0: I mean, we should. Yet at the same time, Brooklyn, you're having people, you know, if I lay down with somebody who can reproduce, reproductively have kids and have a kid, you know, that was two people making a decision, you know, that, that has impacts on not just our immediate sales, but the economy and everybody else around us. I think people are making dumbass decisions in life, and that's what's bothering me when it comes to topics and things like this. Because you can have somebody freely, you know, out there have ten abortions in their lifetime, you know, and 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 we're just, man, eh, it's all right because you know it's their decision. It's their I feel like I please, feel
2: like go go that's. Ahead, I feel like that's an off-the-wall hypothetical. I mean, let's be honest. The odds of a person having 10 abortions in their lifetime are astronomically low. Mm -hmm. There's somebody out there doing it, sure, because statistically that's happening. Um, So let me start off with my stance um, because saying you're for or against is oversimplifying it. There's so many nuances to it. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually... I don't like abortions. I don't like them when people just make them because they made a mistake and they don't want to live with the repercussions. But I don't think anybody should have the right to tell them they can't. I think that is a decision they should freely be allowed to make. And, and it's tough because I'm a girl dad. I have, I have three girls and if any one of them made a mistake Which it's hard to call it that because, you know, you actively made the decision to have sex and it, you know, if you didn't protect yourself or even if you did, the chances are it could still happen. That totally happened to me with my my second daughter. Uh, We were using protection and everything and, and contraception and my wife still got pregnant and we weren't of the kind of mind where it wasn't an issue. We were married and we wanted to, you know, have, have children one day. It just happened to happen before, you know, we were ready for it and we, and we went with it, we rolled with it and we're happy. Um, so the option never occurred to us. Um, I'm not really cool with the idea of it because I don't know what life is. Um, I know they say when life starts and all that shit and, and that's fine. Scientifically, I understand it. I get it. Um, but that's not my call. And I don't think it should be the state's call either. I think that this is a country founded on the concepts of freedom. And if we're not regulating the bodies of men we shouldn't be regulating the bodies of women it's just it it just shouldn't happen that's what what fucking world are we living in where we're telling people what they can do with their bodies in a country where we're entirely founded on the concepts and principles of freedom now we're a heavily flawed system because when we originally started uh african americans the black community was three-fifths of a person so you know they were already fucked up when they started the whole thing, and women didn't even register as a, a human being in their original concept of what the country is. And people can say that's not true, but, I mean, look at the fucking Constitution, man. It's, it's almost entirely heavily slanted towards men, as it's always been, because that's society. I'm sorry, I'm going off the rails. I know I am. Yeah, no no <laughs> worries. I do, I do it, all the, I no do it all the time.
1: No worries, I do want to go back on what you said about you and your wife having felt birth control and then you all being able to decide that you guys wanted to keep the like we you guys had their wanted choice. to give birth to the baby, and so this was all about choice. So yep. what I think about Roe versus Wade is bigger than abortion. It is about bodily autonomy. Yep. If you like, you brought up the history of this country. So back in the 1800s, states didn't start banning abortions until like 18 the 1820s, and then slowly more states banned abortion. But abortion was always available to white women, and like historically. Mm-hmm. Even when abortion becomes harder, women of means who tend to be white will always have access to abortion. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, I would not have access to abortion because I was property and that's a property. That's property damage. So I am stimulating the economy. So it's about bodily autonomy because historically, so many people... In this country, uh, especially people who look like me, have not had bodily autonomy. When I think about the privacy and the cho- in choice, I think about the effect—the fact that, like my, uh, my, I have a cousin who is uh, who came out as very anti-choice, and I was very shocked by that, because historically, her and her husband have five children together. By the time they had their third child, they were actually not financially stable, but no one told them that they could not have more children. That's bodily autonomy. That's being able to say that I want to have more children, so I'm going to continue to have more children. There is a time where women who look like me were forced sterilized. And so that's a problem. So when I think about bodily autonomy and I think about choice, it's the choice to either parent, it's the choice to either Give birth is a choice to not give birth. It's a choice to not be a parent because back in the slavery days, I didn't have the choice to not be a parent. So it's more than just abortion. It's about the whole, yeah. the whole infrastructure of what it is to be a uh, person who has the capacity to give birth in this country. Yeah.
2: I think I think the biggest I think the biggest problem is the stances people are taking, the reasons people are giving and ultimately they have no right or say in the in the in the whole in the grand scheme of things they have no real right to say whether someone else should be allowed to do something you know what i mean they're not and it's tough because that's why they make it a law so they can say you're breaking a law um Mm -hmm. but it's and it, it drives me insane because i and and i know this might Go against uh some of you beliefs but they they use they use the bible for it all the time and it drives me nuts because i I'm, I'm not atheist but i'm definitely not the religious type and i definitely don't think a book written 2000 years ago should be governing what we do today although it can get, help guide you i guess you know what i mean uh with the positives of it but using that archaic way of thinking in 2022, when we're constantly talking about countries that still have inhumane treatment of women, and yet we're doing something so similar at the same time, like talking out of one side of your neck and then doing something else. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think America really has taken a look in the mirror and said, oh, shit, we're doing exactly what we hate about places like the Middle East, for example. Um and that's not to say the whole Middle East is bad. But what I mean is there's human rights issues with women in those countries and we're doing the same thing and then calling them uncivilized and us doing the same thing. But we're civilized. You know, we're America. You know, we're the paragons of, of righteousness and good. And God, sorry.
1: No, I would say that the West played a huge role in like a lot of the decline in Southwest Asia and Central Asia. So if you look at I encourage everyone to look up women in Afghanistan in the 1960s and 70s and then look up women in Iran in the 1960s and 70s. They look very much like the pictures you see of your grandparents or your parents growing up. And so Mm -hmm. I think that what you're looking at in america when people lean into the bible and try to make laws off of the bible what you're looking at is the decline into theocracy and once you get theocracy theocracy really upholds uh upholds certain standards that are just not good for women um and so it's not yeah.
2: good for anybody who's not, it's not good power. for anyone
1: It's not good for anyone. And, like, the average person who, even if you think that you're a boss, like, you are not Mm going to be a boss in that system. And a lot of systems of oppression eventually hurts everyone. Yes. If you're you're not in power. If you're not the one in power, it's a lot more fun to be the dictator than it is to be the dictated, essentially. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I know from... Our time in the military, learning about the history of these countries like Iran, you know, Iran, like you said, in the 70s, looked a lot like New York almost, you know, mm-hmm. just they, they women were allowed to dress a certain way. And what happened was you had these hard right conservative types of a, another culture and another religion. So I'm not going to talk on that, but. It's essentially the same concept. It's the same thing You have. A bunch of people living a certain way and a bunch of older people from another perspective saying you're living the wrong way. You should live the way I think you should live. And the government's giving in. And what's going to happen is it's going to continue to escalate in that direction if we don't fight back, if we don't stop them. And, and, and that, that goes across the entirety of what we are as a culture. And it starts here. It starts with marginalizing women stopping them from having bodily autonomy. And then it goes into other things, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 I've made this argument before. This is a form of terrorism. And, and And let me and let me play it out for you. Let me explain. Let me explain. What's the number one rule of the government when they talk about terrorism? King, what's the number one rule?
0: Uh, I I don't know what you mean. I guess my number one rule, how I proceed is, uh, you know, something that, uh, instills fear or strikes No, no,
2: no, no. The number one rule of the U S government is we don't negotiate with terrorists.
0: We don't, we don't
2: negotiate with terrorists terrorists. and why? Because the minute you give into one of their demands,
0: it'll have a domino effect. it, It
2: escalates, it escalates, they push harder and they go further every single time and this is the same concept it's the same concept you're giving one demographic of people what they want and what's going to happen is it empowers them to go further and farther and eventually leads us into a theocracy because this one demographic of people is getting what they want and it empowers them to feel that they deserve more now the inverse can be said that if you give into the other side we're just going to go further into degeneracy and that's their argument on the opposite side of the thing but that's not that's not truthful it's not the case it's not honest if we sat down and we were honest with each other i think we could see that giving women bodily autonomy is it should be a it should be an it shouldn't even be a thought it should be a thing we should just have freedom to control ourselves like uh, i i'm gonna go off the rails Uh, you guys gotta (laughs) rein me in all right just keep
0: going go
2: no i i mean she she had it would have a better perspective on this whole thing i'm angry at us like i don't think america is really paying attention to itself we have these arguments that that um it should only be like the good argument is that it needs to happen it protects people it's it's a it's a it's a human right it's a god-given right um to make those choices and to have those things and then the opposite is that um that their pro, their promiscuity gets called into question or they're doing it 10 times like you said earlier like like those kind of false narratives we create in our mind mm-hmm. because we don't like it and we don't agree with it like i don't like it i don't agree with it but It's none of my goddamn business. I I have no right to tell. So if my my daughters, when they get older, whatever happens, if they decide they want to keep it, they that's their decision. I'm not going to force them one way or another. If they decide they don't want to keep it, I will give them the resources that they require either way. Either I'll help them or I'll help them. Like, that's the thing. Like, that should be how we function and operate what happens when a man has erectile dysfunction in this country their medical their the their middle. medical yeah and their medical insurance will cover it why what is guess- it about like like think about it. like think about how that was built into this country and think about the population that benefited from it the most at the very beginning of it Tell me what you think of when you think about that kind of scenario. Who do you think benefited the most from that? Because I can tell you who wasn't taking Viagra. You know what I mean? Like, hmm. I know my 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 culture wasn't taking Viagra. And I'm not going to say which culture I think was. But I can tell you which demographic was. The very, very wealthy initially. Because the poor aren't saying how can i fix this the poor are trying to live their life and trying to do what they have to do so the rich decided we needed this and it needed to be covered because my penis is very important to me and it should be covered by my medical insurance (laughs) think about that think about that like people don't think about that shit. They're not thinking uh, about that, how important the penis is to the man that he actually got Viagra put into his medical insurance so he didn't have to come out of pocket for it. And yet, we're talking about giving women contraception.
0: I didn't, you actually raised a good point that to something that I was going to try to argue and defend yeah. later in the stream. But uh, actually, the way that you just stated that killed everything that <laughs> <laughs> I was going to bring up. That's actually. Damn damn man, that's a fantastic point, brother.
2: And that's and that's the thing, is somebody somebody on on the opposite side of the argument will roll their eyes and say that's it's not the same thing. But it mm. is. It's about it is. bodily, it's about it bodily control and autonomy. And if we're and if we're in a country where they're willing to say that men shouldn't go with flaccid penises, you know, they should be allowed to use their penis whenever they want to. Just pop a pill and your penis is good. But we're telling a woman she can't decide whether to keep or not keep a child. And then specifically with the states that are passing these laws that make it completely illegal, 100% across the board, now we're talking about health concerns. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there we go. And there's the map of the restricted places. And honestly, most of the restricted places don't surprise me. Um,
1: And these are some of the poorest states in the country. mm -hmm. So you look at, um, like, Kentucky has some restrictive abortion, I think the poorest county in the country. And I think most of uh, some of the top 10 poorest counties in the country actually reside in uh, are in Kentucky. And so yeah, like it's like one of those things that you look at states that have more means, there's like le- is less restrictive. States yeah. that have more education is less restrictive. States that have really good numbers when it comes to childhood poverty rates and children who are going hungry are the states that have uh the least restrictions on abortion and just to kind of go back to a point that you brought up it's also like one of the, uh one of the one of my i took uh feminist political theory when i was at the university of kansas and one of the books that i was introduced to uh was the girls who went away and it's about what america looked like pre roe v wade and is about and a, and a common theme about it was for one, this country did not really talk about comprehensive sex education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, contraception was not available. And then also, if you go on top of that, a lot of the women in the young ladies in the book, um, they didn't understand consent. So you talk about mm. like, oh, someone's were really irresponsible. If you don't talk to someone about their own body sexual education and like what they can't what they want, like like you know, teaching them how to like if you don't want this to happen to you, then like how to say no and all those good things. Yeah. So like, it's it's more than just like irresponsibility. Cause you look at states like uh I think for instance, like in Texas, they got rid of uh comprehensive sex education and there was like a county that had like the numbers for sexual transmitted diseases went up amongst skyrocketing. I guarantee you understand it. Yeah. And so it's bigger than just like, oh, someone was irresponsible. If someone doesn't know, because like the same people were like, I want to get rid of abortion. They also don't want to give sex education. They don't want to give people access to contraception. And it's way bigger. And I, going back to the book that I read, it was like a story. One of the women who was talking about her experience, a lot of times when it's like a teenage, I think the, the at when a teenager is pregnant, um, the average age of the male who gets them pregnant is like between the ages of twenty and twenty nine. Like that's a stat, my guy. Like you should that's be in jail. Scary, that's scary. A- so these people are not like these young people are not getting pregnant by their own counterparts. They're not their peers. By yeah, predatory mm-hmm. older people. So it's a little bit more complicated than someone's irresponsible. And then there's so many ramifications that come along with it. A woman yeah. who is able or a person who's able to give birth, who can delay their pre- um, delay parenthood by year, their like in, their earning power goes up by 10% just by delaying uh, having a child for a year, their access to education and finishing their degree goes up like their number, their percentage of them going and finishing their degree goes up tremendously. So it's not just like irresponsible people. It's like, it's fucking men like it's men uh, being predators towards young no. young people so these cases
2: So he's shaking his head no but let me tell you I was in high school and junior high school in the 90s in New York City and I knew 16 15 year old girls dating 20 year old guys right and Same. at the time I didn't understand that mm-hmm. that was wrong. And, and yeah, it should be common sense, but you're not wise enough to understand that. You know what I mean? You don't have the emotional intelligence to understand that that is a, that is a big fucking issue.
1: Especially when you're 15, like a five year, year gap when you're like, you know, 30, like that's no big that's deal. That's different. Like, yeah. Think about you at 15 and think about like someone's life experience at 20. At 20. Yeah. And that's a huge difference. There's that person a is a big loser. predatory problem. It's a loser. <laughs>
0: That and the scary. and the way that King thinks about it is that it stemmed from that cycle of bad choices because I'm looking at it this way. Now, I'm looking at it from my bubble as a father that if my daughter came to me and said that she had a decision and it resulted in her, you know, getting pregnant at 15 from somebody that was a lot older, older than I felt. You know, for me, I had one child for a reason. I knew I could only afford one kid. I knew sure that you know ass. I only wanted to be responsible, you know, for one kid. But when you have these people that are out here having five, six kids out of wedlock, letting Pookie, Ray Ray, and whoever, stop. you know, I said it. Those hypotheticals, those hypotheticals,
2: those hypotheticals are going to get you it, every time. It
0: leads to this cycle
2: where unless you can, unless you can give us exact scenarios of people you know who have done these things, you can't use hypotheticals to do a logical argument. I love you. You're one of my favorite people in the world. And I know you to be one of the most logical people I know, but you're using hypotheticals. But the observations
0: arguments. are there. Like
2: So idiocracy was true about a great many things when it comes to <laughs> reproduction in this country. It feels like this, the, the, the poor tend to make... Uh, Less intelligent decisions, but that's not true. They have less access to the mm-hmm. same things the wealthier have. And, and, and it's easy for the wealthy to think they're stupid. They're not. They're incredibly intelligent people, just like everybody else. Loads of people make stupid decisions mm-hmm. all the time. Look, dude, you can't tell me you didn't make a thousand dumb decisions in your oh, lifetime. Yeah,
1: if you say yeah. you did, I'm going to no, 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 no. call you out. Years, just just out, out, now, out no. years.
0: I've publicly, no, <laughs> I've publicly across several of my platforms have came on and said I've made a lot of idiotic choices in my lifetime. So imagine. If you, like, you have to
1: live with your decision, Yes. Just, like imagine every single person that you've slept with out of wedlock, because I know that, and if you say you have it, I know you're lying. Yeah. I've known you for 20 years. So every single person, every time that you had sex with someone, you were at risk of being ostracized and judged by society based off of stuff that you're saying right now. So just imagine mm-hmm. that. So if men had to go through that, or people who have the capacity to get someone pregnant had to go through that, we like to quote my favorite show, V. Ve- We'll be able to get abortions at an ATM, basically, because of the fact that it impacts the people who are in power. So, yeah, it's just the difference between you and someone who has the capacity to give birth is that you are the person who you may not see your consequences. You may not have to deal with the decision of your consequences unless you get burned.
0: That's different. Or or legally, you know, uh, I fathered 10 kids. All 10 of the moms take me to court, which they legally can do, to where now, you know, let's say I didn't want to be financially responsible for those 10 kids. The court's not going to tell me, oh, you are. And, you know, garnish my shit, regardless of whether, you know. Um, first to...
1: of all, our society is really horrible at garnishing wages for child support. So That's not true. Our they take my money. Eat- <laughs> well i'm sorry well, for you guys but like it. a lot of states are really not equipped to actually um to actually like collect child support mm-hmm. from men
0: yeah M- my there's point a lot to of that though is that there is a repercussion to me having those type of actions like um, financial repercussions yeah yes. financial like fiscal repercussions yes. yeah fiscal responsibilities
1: yeah Financial repercussions. So let me just like explain to you like the difference between financial repercussions and then social responsibility. So for instance, you could be someone who, if you decide to have 10 children with 10 different people and you have to provide, let's say you have the means to cover all of them. What you're doing is you are uh, subjecting someone who is a parent of your child to have to uh, now get a bigger space. So like now, like a lot of times, like, Child support doesn't even cover the cost of an additional room that you have to get for an apartment or a townhome or wherever you're living. When that child gets sick, if you're not a parent who's there, who's the person who has to leave work so they lost wages to go and pick up the child? It is the parent who is the primary caregiver, which a lot of that responsibility actually falls onto the woman in the situation or the person who gave birth to the child. And so you... Don't say it's not true. You say it's not true. So it is very much true. Like I have a friend right now who she's a single parent and when she, if she wasn't a single parent, her salary would be a really good salary for where she lives. But because she is a single parent, her salary is okay. Just okay. And like, there's a lot of things that she has to delay. There's a lot of things that she is not, she is unable to do because of the fact that she is a primary caregiver for a child when her child got sick, she was the one that had to take time off of work. Not the kings of the situation. It was the is the primary caregiver.
2: Why not? That's you gotta understand that's their dynamic. See, you're coming from the perspective that you're responsible, your spouse was responsible, you guys had a child together, you made a decision as a couple, mm-hmm. you know what you would do doesn't mean it's what everybody else does. And and again you got to talk about which which level of income is the person that we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, So so what's your go ahead?
0: What's go no, ahead? No, I mean, Come I mean on. In, in that same vein, you know, uh, I'm not the primary like I have joint custody, but the primary Two. is uh, her mom. And in that same vein you know, my earning capacities as well, even though I'm not primary because of, you know, certain situations and things. Um, and and, and I, me having to make decisions on what I choose to do and live because of, you know, being a single parent, essentially. You know, But you're not a single out. parent. You're not a you're single a co-parent. parent, though.
1: You're not. You're, you're a co-parent. co-parent, and I'm going to go back to yeah. you mentioning your your child, your daughter. Um, I don't know if you say your name, her name, on this podcast, so I won't say her name. But um, your child, you your child is in a is in a relationship, has a relationship with her parents that she is able to talk to you basically about anything. I'm pre. I know. I know your ex. I know your ex, and she, I think she's great. And so you guys and they have an open dialogue. I know that. You probably have an open dialogue with your daughter, and so that circumstance is very that circumstance is very different than a lot of people who find themselves in this situation. So, for instance, there's people right now, and I'm pretty sure we all know people that we went to high school with who were those latchkey kids who did not have, who did not have parents at home that they can go and talk to, that did not have who were basically raised by the quote unquote streets um, because of the fact that they didn't have those things. And so they didn't have the same capacity that your child has. So using your child as the example is probably not like really the best example because of the fact that I know that you're a good parent. And I know that your ex is a good parent. And I know that your child has a lot of adults in her life that care about her, that will help her get steered in the right direction. And I'm pretty sure that if your child came up to you and said, Hey, Pops or whatever the fuck she calls you. I want to get birth control because I want to um, because, you know, I just want to get birth control that you can have a real conversation with them and like give her the consequences the the benefits of getting it and you guys can make an informed decision together. So I think that you guys are in a, that's a different situation.
0: That's my argument, though. My argument is that I'm sitting on the side of somebody that's making or attempting attempting to make an informed responsible decision because of understanding what the consequences and stuff are. I, I despise people that say that, you know, with the way things are, that people don't have the knowledge to, you know, understand this stuff. When I think that, you know, most households have one of these, you know, sitting in a a majority of households, whether they're wealthy or not, you know, along with, I almost said something that would have got me canceled. Along with other stuff that you they have going on friend, and things that, you know, they can be a part of, you know, have, you know, access to cell phones, but they, they, they're choosing you gotta understand. to go out there and go to the bars, you know, and, you know, Having- have unprotected sex
2: so those are two different and things want to blame two,
0: other people's two, actions for their choices
2: that's not they're not blaming other people's actions that's that's this the is thing what and we argue just...
1: all the time this is why we argue so much because i just...
2: well he and i he and i have definitely done this several times too um yeah. so there's two different arguments there having access to information and being able to understand what you have in front of you is a very different thing mm-hmm. um having the emotional intelligence to even understand what life would have been like without a child to have the foresight to know that they could have made that decision and their life would have been dramatically different for positive or negative. Cause you could argue that the kid that you have is meaningful and you love them and they're great in your life. But what would your life have been without them? You know what I mean? Like, like it's complicated because obviously once you have the the perspective of the child existing and being in your life, you can't argue what life was like before them. But some of these people don't have the means to sustain that life. Yes. And more importantly, the government isn't going to help them. And how many times have you or other people, myself included, I get caught up in it sometimes, have looked down on the people who live on the resources that the government gives them to help them survive in those situations. Whereas I came from one of those households. My family was on food stamps. We stood in line for free food. Some people reproduce because the concept of not being, not being able to make a choice not to isn't, isn't there. And it doesn't matter that they have a cell phone. There's not there's I'm sorry, there's no ads in, in in on TV saying that you can get an abortion today. And if you if that did happen, I guarantee motherfuckers minds would explode be like, oh, my God, they're pandering abortions to my children. You know what I mean? And that's not the case. It's informing people and letting them know that these services exist because you might need them. You know, and for whatever decision you decide to make, that's not your call or my call that it's the wrong decision. You get where I'm coming from? Like, you don't have to agree with it. It just has to be. It's that kind of thing. It's that kind of thing. It's like, I can't tell you how to breathe. That's insulting. If I tell you, you breathe too heavy, man. Stop that. This is how you breathe. Look, look. Like this. Like this. No, no. Stop. Breathe like this. No, you're breathing like a heathen. Stop it. Breathe like this. And only my way of breathing is the correct way to breathe. Every other breathing technique that you use is wrong. And it's against the Bible. And you're going to go to hell. And I don't care if you have asthma. You're going to breathe the way I tell you to. Oh, oh, the asthma is going to kill you? Oh, you know what? I know people who have five asthma attacks a day. And you know what? They live with it. Think about that kind of argument. Think about that for a second. Like, people aren't connecting those those kind of things. These things can kill people. These things can ruin lives. And it's not like the government is like, we're going to help you with your child for the next 20 years. And governments that do, Americans are like, no, we're not going to be socialist. God, pff, not my country. You know what I mean? Like... Those social programs don't don't really exist in this country that kind of way that we can say have all the children you want and we're going to stop you if you try to stop if you try to get rid of them. You know what I mean?
1: And I'm going to go into like some of the structural issues that we have when people are uh, unable to make decisions about like if someone is forced to give birth and they do not have the means to provide birth. So we currently live in a country where about one in five children live uh, below the poverty line. So that's roughly about 13 million children in this country don't know where their next meal is gonna come from. Does everyone remember when the pandemic first started and they shut down schools? What was one of the biggest concerns that came Meals.
0: out of that pandemic? Meals, how, how are, are these kids going to eat? How, how are these eat. kids
1: gonna eat? Yep. And so there's some kids right now that the only good meal that they're gonna get is the free, the free breakfast. And the free lunch they get. And those are not even like really good meals. Like those are just meals to sustain them.
2: During the pandemic, right. our schools were still giving those meals out to those yes. families because those mm-hmm. families relied on that.
1: My youngest sister um, worked at uh, at Harvesters, which was, she no longer works there. She lives in the DMV area now, but she worked at Harvesters, which um, actually uh, which uh, serviced Uh, 26 counties that went as far west as Fort Riley, Kansas, and went as far east as Central Missouri. And one of the things that I, I used to volunteer there, and one of the things that we would do as volunteering was doing back snacks. So what back snacks was, was it's basically you pack meals for kids to take home with, in a backpack, to take home with them so that they don't go hungry over the weekend. And the meals were really kind of like, it was very clear. That these are like meals and snacks for the whole family. It's not just for the kids. So we have kids who are living under childhood, po- like who live in childhood poverty. Another big thing that came up, who remembers another big thing that came up during the pandemic that was a structural issue that we had?
2: Like supply
1: chain issues? Lack of childcare. Oh, How many yeah. parents... How many parents found themselves in a situation where they did not have childcare? So we have all these structural issues that already currently exist. I currently live in a town that does not have any public preschool. You mm. have to go to the Montessori school, and I think it costs about eight hundred dollars a. That's the one you get education. The other, pre, the other daycares are just like your kids are playing with blocks. But if you want your kid to get an education, yeah. it's a little bit more expensive. The average but it's person, expensive. It's expensive, and so there's all of these structural things that we have not solved for because this country does not care much for people who are not of means that now we're going to like make that explode and then you have to think about the mental health that comes around when you have when you cannot provide and you cannot survive with just yourself and now you have this additional life we actually saw the numbers of people who sought abortions or who gave their children away, dropped by the with the stimulus check because people needed STEM, like needed that initial investment to be able to like buy a crib and buy these things. And so people decided to keep their babies. So we live in a country where We are not providing any resources for people. There's countries right now that if someone gets pregnant, they get six months off and they're paid to take that time off. Right now, if someone takes six months off, like I mentioned, my friend who has means, who she's an attorney, her husband's a software engineer. She literally went unpaid for a couple of those months that she took six months off, but she was able to afford to do that because she had someone who is in her household who was a high-income earner that allowed her to do so. And they also shut down student loan. Payments, and so she had a little bit additional money in her pockets, and so there's just a lot of things that go. It's not. It's more complex than just are you bringing a life into the world? When you bring a life into the world, is that does that structure exist for that for you to be able to be a good parent and be a supported parent? Because I'm gonna let you know, it is very lonely, especially if you are a single parent. Uh, if you're, especially if you're a single parent in this country to try to survive. There's very little resources. I know people talk about food stamps, but I think food stamps is like $5 per day per person. Try to feed someone on $5 a day, three meals during the summertime. Yeah. That means yeah. you're not getting high quality foods, which also goes into, if a child is hungry, they cannot learn. If a child does not feel safe at home, they cannot learn. If a child... Uh, if a child is neglected or they are, if they're neglected or they're not, like, loved and they don't have adults in their life that care for them, they are going to grow up and some of them are going to make it. There's always those stories of those children that make it. And so I'm not saying, like, oh, let's just make sure that no poor people can have children, but we also need to think about what is the structure that exists currently and does that structure support parents? Because I'm going to let you know it does not.
2: I think ironically, too, when people think of this argument for abortion uh, or for um, uh, pro-life, think about the hypothetical you said earlier, right? You said a name and then you said that they had 10 kids. You remember that? They were having 10 abortions or whatever or having 10 kids with lots of people. Mm -hmm. In your argument, you were implying a specific demographic. And I feel like, and I feel like, I honestly feel like that when a lot of these people make these pro-life arguments, they have that same image of in their head that these marginalized communities are over overbreeding and overpopulating, or not—they're the ones who are, are are doing that. You know what I mean?
1: They're responsible. But I, That's it.
2: Yeah, because they, they have less resources available to them already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. like
0: <sighs> – I actually had uh, a name for each demographic. <laughs> but y'all stopped me, man, before can't, I can list can't them do it. I'm happy no, we no, stopped no, you. Yes, I'm happy we stopped you. But I did find this interesting because without looking it up, okay, it's hard to look for stats – based off of like abortions by gender because mm-hmm. of how it's uh reported as well as you know people could have an abortion but not have it in the US or have it in a state that chooses to you know there's put that n- kind of data out there There's no way where that data
2: exists. Yep, because, but because it's it's a privacy issue and, and I mean in uh, man
0: yeah. But <laughs> looking at one now, I, I let me say I'm not going to the validity of these stats can be questioned by anybody, but the marker Institute has been, uh, in my opinion, pretty diligent about compiling you know, data, essentially, and then reporting on the data that they're getting. So I was a bit surprised at not necessarily the income of the abortion patients, but the race Um, in what they had listed here. It doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me.
1: So more white women get abortions, but those other races, because they're a smaller percentage of the population actually get abortions at a higher rate. So Mm -hmm. black and brown women get abortion at a higher rate because I think black women make up about 6% of the population while, uh, while Latinas make up about like seven or 8% of the population. I think they're a a faster growing number. And so you're looking at, so that's an aggregate number. So, but if you broke it down by the rate, it would not be surprising.
2: Yeah. Hmm. And and again, the numbers are the way that they are. And, the poor and low income is so high because they have less resources and education available to them. It's not because they're stupid. It's not because they're poor. They're poor and have less resources available to them. That's why Mm -hmm. they end up in the scenarios that they end up in because they haven't been educated. And honestly, the people who are saying they should not be allowed to have these services aren't also saying they should be educated better. Or we should put more money into their school systems. Because let me tell you, the difference between the kind of schools that I went to in New York City in the 90s uh, compared to the way the schools are here in Maryland, in a wealthy location, the resources are staggeringly different. I mean, it's a different time. It's a different generation, decades apart. But I guarantee the schools in Maryland here look this way reasonably, within reason. For the last 10, 15, 20 years. And Mm -hmm. the schools in New York in some of the lower income areas, I guarantee, are still exactly, exactly the same as they were in the 90s. And I know that because nobody gives a shit about us in those neighborhoods. And people can argue. I don't know
1: know about you, but I went to a high school that had a daycare.
2: Okay. And I don't know if any of you guys went to a
1: high school. I went to a high school that had a daycare in it. Wow. What? Yeah, and we had a we had a child development center in my high school, uh, so it had a daycare and they had the and they had the daycare buses too, where the girls who had children got on a different bus that had car seats on it.
0: What hey? So what was the demographics? <laughs> what was no, the demographics
2: of your school?
1: So my school was, uh, I think the demographics was like it was like uh it was like a very small white population, but then mm. it was uh, mostly black and brown. Wow. Yeah. So I went to, this, so we had three high schools in my district and I think all the high schools had um, childcare in the district, but like the one that was like the wealthier high school in the district probably didn't. And it, so, yeah, but we had daycare in my, in my high school. Cause we just mm-hmm. had enough girls Yeah. Um, because one of the, the, town that was the high school was located in was a very like social, eco, socially, economically depressed town. And,
2: that, and, yeah. and yet, and yet parents for the last 20, 30 years have fought against sex education in school. Yeah. yeah, clearly you're not teaching your kids the fucking right thing to do. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, for example, prime example, prime example, uh, 2006, 2007 ish. I had just gotten back from Iraq for a couple of years and I got stationed in Redstone Arsenal, Alabama. Oh,
1: and God, I was bless te-
2: you. it was actually not bad because um, okay. I, I mostly stayed on base. <laughs> I didn't really go out <laughs> from base. Yeah. Um, I had the wonderful job of teaching health health and wellness um, to young, new servicemen and women um, and prior service as well. Uh, in the Army, some Marines. And they asked us to provide that training because, honestly, it should have been a part of everyone's in processing. How to take mm-hmm. care of yourself. You'd be amazed at how many of them didn't know basic life, health stuff. What mm-hmm. resources were available to them as adults and the kind of things they could do to help themselves while also serving in the military. And at some point, there was an outbreak in the barracks of ringworm. Ew. Ringworm I... as a sexually transmitted disease. Oh it wasn't God. being transfer- transmitted because of... You know training or anything like that it was being transmitted um be, through through sexual activity and we knew that because we could track the trends and we knew through uh we would actually do tracing back then even back then they asked us to give uh courses on sexual education and me and a co-worker of mine we put together a wonderful slide deck which i still own by the way because it's both graphic and informative. (laughs) Um, But what was important was these 19 and 20 year old kids did not understand the basic principles of sexually transmitted illnesses and how to properly stay safe, or that they could make the decision without the other person being willing to make the decision. Because a lot of guys are like, I don't want to use a condom. yeah, you know, I don't want to use a condom. I don't like the way it feels. Fuck the way it feels. And this is why. This can happen to you. You know what I mean? And that saw a dramatic decrease in sexually transmitted diseases within that small garrison. But it had to be done mm-hmm. almost every month. Like people always are always saying, like us military are always like, why do we got to do these fucking stupid trainings? Why are we always in training? Because motherfuckers don't know or can't be relied upon to make the responsible.
0: What was that? What was this? That, 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 that was me saying, uh, or they're making dumb ass decisions. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It wouldn't be a rule
2: and it wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't a thing that's the kind of shit that happens. And I mean, but now you got to understand where that comes from. That small demographic of American, you know, of, of our country who serves in the military, small, small, condensed demographic, but they come from us. They represent what the country is and it's a sign and and, and it's symbolic of the lack of education for our kids i don't have to like that that schools teach sex ed but it needs to happen because there's parents out there who aren't doing it Mm -hmm. and it's and it might not be something where they don't want to it might be their kids are latchkey kids their parents are working look at society right now Almost nobody can do single income these days, almost nobody, because cost of living is is enormous. Houses cost a fucking fortune. Everybody's got school debt. Um, There's just a million and one things that require you to work, which gives you less time to take care of your family. And let's be honest, society is bombarding them. Like you said earlier, they have access to all of it, all of it. Every minute of the day, and it is bombarding your children with misinformation, disinformation, and lies—outright, blatant lies. You know, and how do you how do you combat that when you don't
1: have the time? And i will also. Sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say. Go
0: ahead.
2: No. (laughs) I was going to say it's not like people are pushing sex education over the over over the internet. And if they did people would be like stop showing that shit to my children you know what i mean like it's not like we're throwing resources at people and if we did like the inverse if we did people would be like would shut it
1: down hmm. yeah and i want hmm. add also like you know even though children and people have access to a lot of information we people a lot of pe- individuals do not have the discernment to find credible sources and so you know we you get a chance to, i get a chance to deal with people a lot who say oh i got it off of youtube or i learned this uh i read this somewhere it's like did you get that from a tiktok because it sounds like you got that from a tiktok mm-hmm. and so we actually have a situation and i and i, I used to work in um in like veteran employment services and one thing that i really realized was like a lot of individuals like there's just so much information out there that people it's just white noise at a certain point for individuals and so a lot of times people get overwhelmed with the amount of information that is out there as well so unless someone like knows how to discern between like what is a reputable source and then also like they have someone else to ask like additional questions um like, you're just not going to, like, if you don't, like, if you don't have a parent at home that you can say, like, oh, I read this somewhere, Mm -hmm. uh, then you're just not going to be able, like, you can read the information, but if you're, like, a, a kid or a teenager, you may not understand the information or may not have the understanding to actually take that information and do something with it. Okay.
0: all right, So, so, let me let me present this, and then we will wrap up today's podcast. Um, So, Brooklyn, if I'm understanding you right, all right, after everything that we've talked about, it is your opinion, and don't let me put words in your mouth, correct me as you always do, um, it is your opinion that uh, neither federal nor state should have a say in the decision of a person's reproductive uh, status, you know, rights, essentially. Like, if I... With somebody who wanted an abortion, I should be able to make the healthcare decision myself to go and have the procedure performed without anybody telling me what I can and can't do.
1: The state's responsibility in this situation is to make sure that someone goes into a safe environment when they do it. So regulating uh, that, regulating abortion clinics, like you'll regulate a dentist's office, like you don't want to get your teeth clean at a place that's gross. You wouldn't want uh, to get surgery in a place that is unsafe. And so the state has the duty to regulate the like the people who are performing it in a way that it is safe for everyone but like not putting um undue burdens on clinics and individuals and that's and bodily autonomy is between you your deity and your doctor that is the synopsis of what I'm saying
0: Hmm. okay so all right with Roe v Wade being overturned what do y'all foresee in the immediate future and in the long-term future, how us as a society is going to look at doing what's best for the people.
1: I'll go first. So I think initially you may see it's like some a lot of states actually have archaic laws on the books that with the fall of row, you're gonna see a lot of you've already seen like places close up clinic, especially in the states where people can afford it the least and they don't have the means to be able to freely travel to their nearest state. So what you're gonna see is a lot of undue burden. I will say that if a woman's able to or a person's able to give birth is able to. Get uh, the like, there's a pill that you can get. And so the longer you wait to get an abortion. The more complicated it gets. So if it's un- if it's hard, so what you're going to see initially is that you're going to see people seeking out later abortions because they have to come up with the funds to travel to a different state, to get a hotel, to do the waiting periods, and all of the all the barriers to getting abortion that has been established. So I think initially you're going to see people having to travel further. I think that you're probably going to see you're going to see individuals trying to find home remedies, but like. As of now, there are safe options out there. There's options for the pill that you can take to get an abortion. So what you're going to see initially is going to be people having to travel farther. You're going to see individuals um, individuals seeking alternatives to uh, going to a clinic. But I think that what I'm hoping to see is that people are going to be able to mobilize and organize in their States to make sure that they have full access because women vote at higher rates um, and people who have the capacity to give birth vote at higher rates than men. So hopefully we'll see um, a little bit of a backlash from it.
2: Okay, Yeah. I'm a little bit more of a cynic. I'm worried about the people who feel empowered to go back to picketing in front of, clinics where they're still legally allowed to and hurting the doctors and the people who need help i i I fear that we're going to go we're going to backslide to that time when they would murder doctors because you know we're pro-life um i always found that to be just a tad ironic um like i i worry about the cost to to the people who are living Mm -hmm. in this situation. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be, there's going to be medical scenarios where this is going to be a problem. There's going to be non-medical scenarios where this is going to be a problem because everybody always goes to the, well, you know, rapes and incest are a small thing. They're, they're, they're not, I mean, they're a massive thing because you can't look at them as statistics these are people living in situations that are awful. You have people who are living in situations that will kill them. And it's not about the number, it's about that it's happening. Like, that's the thing. We get so caught up in the 1%. Uh, 1% of 13 million is still a lot of fucking people. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we, and you know, the part that really disappoints me about this country is we went into this whole pandemic issue where oh, more people die from the flu than they've died from COVID. I'm sorry. So now we're just okay with people dying. Uh, I mean, I thought we're here to keep people alive. Like that's what we're doing. We're, we're here to live and to help people live. That's freedom. You know what I mean? To keep, to take care of each other. And help each other. And love each other. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Wasn't that the foundation of what we're doing here? The American experiment is taking an odd turn right now. And, and and the thing about it that's so disappointing is everybody who's standing on the pulpit and the parapets and the fucking towers and standing on all of these elevated platforms so people can very clearly hear them they're not talking about life. They're talking about, they're talking about what Hollywood has taught them, what memes tell them, what these fucking articles that, that are, are completely false narratives and hypotheticals that just live in their head or exist in their echo chambers. And it's going to do more harm than good. So they've, Won this moment, and unfortunately, I think that's gonna that's gonna empower them to do more, or yeah. I should say, take more. Hmm. I don't think it's a state thing. I don't think it's a federal thing. I think it's a it's a a, a right, for lack of a better word, a God given right. Whatever God it is that you subscribe to, it is it is a part of existing. It is a part of existing. And people don't have to like it. Nobody has to like it. A few years ago, they didn't like gay people getting married. You know, a few years ago, they didn't like women voting. A few years ago, they didn't think people had the right to be considered people. And those things changed. And it was painful to the people who didn't like it at first. But slowly, they came to realize that... It was wrong we just went backwards on that how does that happen (laughs) how does does that happen you get where i'm coming from like and and i think honestly do you want me to do you want me to tell you how we speak to to america we get a blonde-haired blue-eyed white girl we put her on tv and we tell her what if i was going to die from not getting an abortion (laughs) and honestly i feel like people be like "Ooh, she looks like my daughter i, I, I care now you know what i mean it, it makes me feel something you know but you got you got these people in these demographics who are honestly most of them beyond birthing age saying that it's wrong i would never allow this to happen and that's a fucking lie because rich people dude rich people will make a baby disappear in a heartbeat In a fucking heartbeat The lie that Hollywood sells everybody that it's just the poor black Hispanic communities that are doing this are also the same Hollywood who shows you that rich couple who who takes their daughter's baby and pretends it's theirs You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or just sends her off somewhere to give the baby and then give it up and just fucking dump the baby somewhere You know what I mean? You want to talk about hypotheticals? Hollywood has given us a million hypotheticals that tell me why people make that shit work And the rest of us are fucking stuck in in whatever future they decide for us. And I hate to make it about that. But our country is literally telling us how they feel with the things that they say and do. You know, and people can hate me for it. People can say I'm racist. (laughs) Dude, I look white. I get away with people thinking I'm white 24 hours a day, seven days a week and And unfortunately, I fucking roll with that. but it's also given me the perspective from both sides of the argument here, you know? So I worry, I worry that this is gonna cost it's gonna take more from us than we actually understand. And I think once that cost is fully realized, maybe we might make some progress again. and and it's unfortunate. I think the people who are fighting the good fight need to continue, but I think it's going to take a body count for people to really, truly pay attention. I I feel like that's how we learn in this country, unfortunately.
0: Okay. All right. Hey, Joe, man, I appreciate your outlook. Uh, Brooklyn, as always, BK, I appreciate you as well. Um, Brooklyn, do you have any recommendations on where people can – Get some more uh, information. Oh, I think Brooklyn might have frozen. Yeah. Let me uh, let her know. Let me let her know uh, that she's frozen. So, hey, y'all, while we look to see what uh, has happened with Brooklyn, I'd like to thank Brooklyn for coming on board. Um, I don't want to reveal what she does, um, but she is very informative with Uh, what she was going to be coming on today and talking with us, which is why I wanted to bring her on. Um, But I'm going to see if we can get her back here. And uh, actually, Joe, um, tell the people about our podcast real quick while I go and see if I can get Brooklyn back on. So you can find our podcast pretty much everywhere
2: oh no the light went away um so we're on pretty much every major streaming location right now and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at the just joe-king podcast and we hope you come back we hope you tune in and if you have any comments anything you want to say anything you want to ask anything we think we should include things we should change like me getting a fucking light for this room shoot us shoot us a message hit us up leave a comment drop a like put a thumbs up you know what i mean and if you don't like it fucking tell us you don't like it you know what i mean this is a free country say what you want to say within reason within reason because we don't want to come across as a monster right and i'm not saying you can't say what you want I'm saying be responsible with what you say because what you say can get you caught up. Like people are going to judge us off of everything we said today. (laughs) Basically. And that's fine. And that's fine. And they may never tune in. They may try to get us taken down. And that's fine because that's what America is. It's the freedom to say, I don't like what I'm hearing. It's not going to stop people from doing those things and saying what they have to say because i also have the freedom and the right to do so and that's what i think we need to come back and understand just because i have rights it doesn't take away your rights in any way you don't have to listen to us so you don't have to hear what we have to say and you don't have to agree with any of it or you can agree with some or you can agree with all that's how this works and that's how it will continue to function if we can come together and understand that we don't have to all agree, but we also should not take away what people are allowed to do. Because the minute you take away something, it means you can take away more things. And that in that, that it goes for everything. I mean, marijuana is legal now. Not fully, but it is. But yesterday, it was not. And we put lots of people in prison for it um people want to take away your guns they probably shouldn't because guns keep you safe when used properly and appropriately um and so in this case it's a similar situation you're taking away somebody's bodily autonomy you're taking away their right to make a choice about their life and that's unfair and if it if somebody took away something you loved or something you needed or something that you relied upon or hindered your safety or well-being in any way you would do whatever it takes to stop them from doing that I think we should all remember that just a little bit and maybe maybe at least we can have a conversation about this before we start making life or death situations or or decisions
0: but yeah all right hey Joe uh I'd like to thank you for that man that was actually as you were talking about some things it kind of got me Spurned on some ideas and some topics that I'd like for us to have in the future. I've been chatting with Brooklyn. She was having some network issues. I do not believe she's going to be able to make it back. And we need to close out the show. So just like Joe has said, you can find us on the Just Joking podcast on both YouTube and Facebook. If you want to shoot us an email, hit us up at just.joe.king.com podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about what we discussed today or roe versus wade or the roe versus wade being overturned in general put it in the comment section you know share your thoughts and let us know what you think and if you support what we're doing over here even just hit us with the like button on either platform would be fantastic joe it's been fun it's been real I need to stop by and you know, see you because, man, it has been a while. Yeah. And uh, I'm not just going to talk. I'll make that happen. Yeah. Until next time, brother. And to everybody else out there, peace. Peace.